we are living in someone's false ARG. This is what the Great Reset is. They're just creating what they want the next story to be. And we also are seeing the revealing right now to understand how this 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 realm works so that we can walk through it with, with greater awareness and consciousness. So then going back to the whole thing of like, you know, why does mysticism work? Why, does, why is synchronicity important? Why is looking at rivers, looking at where you are important? Because that is a baseline reality, which is deeper than the ARG. You are going to connect to something. That is the human experience. Hey, Mike. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's five hours after our scheduled time to talk, but we are finally lining up. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine that uh, you were traveling during peak traffic hours, so I, I gave you some, uh, you know, ahead of time forgiveness for this. I didn't expect us to... To get off on the right time frame, considering you are traveling, but uh, here we are now. We got off at the perfect time frame. It's just not always exactly what we think it's going to be when we schedule. <laughs> Indeed. How's it going Indeed. over there? Oh, wow. So how do we want to start this? Well, I know there's been somewhat of a hiatus, and I think people who maybe have missed out, maybe you just subscribe to the RSS feed and you don't check out the YouTube channels. Uh, I encourage you to go there uh, because Mike has done a pretty good job of explaining uh, why we haven't done uh, an episode in a while, I guess. I mean, that's not the exact reason, but, um, and then also if, if you want to hear even more details, you have something on your subscribe star explaining a little bit of what's going on recently and, we recorded episode 17 of your handbook for the apocalypse and put it on the Patreon. So this is episode 18. If people are wondering why there's a gap, it's because this is a, a show that Mike and I created together. And Mike was kind enough to let me put that lost episode on uh, my Patreon due to the sensitive nature of what we talked about and just, you know, personal stuff. We figured the people who support us deserve to hear it and the people who just come along and listen, you know, if, if it really, if you're really wondering, well, now you have more of a reason to support us. So now that that's out of the way, uh, I think, uh, I think, you know, people, like I said, can get up to speed on some of what you've been up to recently, more recently, but do you want to maybe share with uh, the listeners where you're at now and give us a little brief update on that? All right, all right, all right. Well, first off, you did um, you did a really nice job. Um, you did a really nice job, kind of letting everyone know where all the different information can be found. Um, 
But if, you know, there's someone's listening right now and, and they're like, listen, like I'm listening to this. I don't want to go stop and go find something else. And it's like, all right. Uh, so let's, before I get into where I am right now, well, let's do a little recap. In fact, I don't think you and I have actually had a recap, have we? Well, I guess we did a yeah, little bit. That was for the Patreon. We kind of, you called it a postmortem. It was the day, it was like the day or the day after, two days after possibly. Uh, but yeah, right, we did kind so- of recap it on the Patreon. So we've got like a week, a week has transpired at least right. since then. So uh, so for the, the virgin listeners, the ones who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about doing the, uh, the Masonic presentation, which um, was delivered on January 26th. And it was and first mentioned on this very show. It was first mentioned on this very show. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of like, Build up, at least within you know the way way I was framing it up and and thinking about the whole thing, and then it got to be even more build up when I started going deep into like look at this friggin' letter they sent me, look at all of these these things, and it it came to a, a crescendo where um, I went and I gave the presentation uh, in this restaurant and media, and um, you came. And Tara came, and Jesse came, and um, it was it was um, in some ways a little bit anticlimactic in the fact that there there was not a ritual sacrifice, there was not an attempt <laughs> at a ritual sacrifice, but you know there was. Um, I'll put I it talk- this way. I'll put it this way for for Tara and I. We were expecting James Bond. We got a little bit of Spy Kids. It was still. It was still fun, uh, and we did kind of poke around and nose around, uh, but yeah. Well, it's, did we talk about this in the postmortem, about where um, uh, that location, how it ties into MK Ultra history? I don't think we did. All right, all right. So, so before I get there, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Um, the night, the, the night though, on a certain level was, was anticlimactic in terms of action wise. I think it was absolutely on point as it relates to what was going to happen next, or at least as it relates to me. And I made indication in that presentation that, um, you know, I just had an initiation and I said that all of the, the people in the audience were, were, um, you know, they were my witnesses and I was grateful and thanks very much. And that's kind of how it ended. But then I'm thinking like, I don't know what I just, you know, what am I, what did I just get initiated into? And I said it initiated into my life, not by the, the Masons, you know, I wasn't being, uh, so what happened was, um, shortly after that, um, my personal life like just flipped upside down kind of unexpectedly. And I, I needed to vacate my place of residence like really, really, really fast. And, um, and I, I talked a little bit about that, I think in some of the, the subscribe star stuff and the more personal, but I didn't, you know, I'm not like fully airing my dirty laundry, but still, um, and it would, and it's probably interesting also, I might go back and look at it is to be able to see, um, you know, me riding this wave, which I'm on. And so, so that initiation, which I, which I, I talked about in that Masonic level, um, uh, in that Masonic presentation, 
is seemingly like, you know, that's where I am right now. I'm like, okay, I said that an initiation by definition is an event that once you pass through it, you're not the same person. And so now I'm in this event in this, in this flow right now, which is, which is just that. But before we get there and we're going to go into the story a little bit deeper, um, the, the location, because we always talk about, um, like understanding, uh, Space, you know, the, the literal land which you stand on and having an appreciation of its energy from all sorts of different angles, like, you know, uh, synchromistic or, or historical or, you know, ley lines or whatever. Like, you know, this is one of the things that we like to talk about. And excuse me, I took a sip of water. Um, this place, this place in Media, Pennsylvania, that's where it was uh, the, the name of the town. Um, and I didn't realize this until the day of the event, uh, has a really interesting connection to MK Ultra. Right, right. And that was mentioned now, it's coming a little bit more to mind. It wasn't mentioned on the show, but the, that was like the first thing you and uh, Jesse mentioned when we met in the cafe before we headed off. Right, to right, right. We, we were like, what did we just discover? So, okay, so what am I talking about? Um, pro- probably one block from the restaurant is the county courthouse um, for, I think it's Delaware County. I think it's Delaware County, Pennsylvania. So this is outside of Philadelphia. This is one of the Philadelphia suburban um, counties and, and towns within it. And the, uh, there was a county courthouse, big building, like it is surprisingly large, um, or at least I thought. Can I just say uh, a little quick thing about Delca, uh, Delco as it was relayed to me? Please do. Okay, so what, the, the second time I met Sam Tripoli, the first time I met him in like the position of like, I work for you type thing, you know, this I, I drove down to Philadelphia, this was 2020, uh, November, and I went to, you know, the comedy club and saw him perform, and my car got towed. I had to go and get my car out of the Philadelphia, you know, freaking towing whoever, those people. I had to deal with them. Great that sounds pleasant. Was it as, as pleasant as it sounds? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that sounds like a pleasant oh, experience. Pleasant. I thought you said present. Yeah, it was a present, and it was quite uh, unpleasant, but yeah. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So you got your car towed, you're down there and it's when you meet or you see Sam face to face. Yeah. And, and we had met the, that afternoon and then I parked stupidly outside of the hotel, got my car towed and I finally made it back to the comedy club, uh, where he had already performed his first show. And I was sitting at the bar and these strange people, it was like a, a swingers couple almost like, the girl was like flirting with me and this comedian who was opening for Sam, uh, a person who I was kind of hanging out with, uh, while Sam was on stage. Uh, and another guy who is like a Philly comic. <laughs> and you know, I enjoyed talking to him cause I had known him through uh, a podcast. Like I had heard this guy before and I recognized his voice. And I'm like, Oh, you're Brian six from Matt and Shane's secret podcast. And he's like, Oh Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of fanning out talking to this guy and these weird, this weird couple and they left and he's like, yeah, that's weird, huh? And I'm like, what's, you know, 
is that normal around here? And he's like, no, those people were from Delco. So that was, that was kind <laughs> of my first experience with Delco. Is the, the, There's sort of a reputation about them uh, for people who are from Philly uh, as, I don't know, a little out there, a little hoity-toity, a little kind of strange. I don't know what that says about media, but I think, it, you know, in line with something, you know, to go back to Sam, it's this kind of rich kids, uh, liberal arts, uh, mind control. There's like a nexus point between those areas. Huh. That's, that's interesting. I'm not familiar enough with the area or the region to really know like the subtleties of like, you know, what one county like kind of represents, but that's funny. So we're right in there. So that media is a town in Delco, uh, Delaware County. Uh, I'm assuming that's what that, that, that's, that's short for. And uh, Jesse and I were, we got there a little bit earlier. It's a real like quaint, um, a charming little town with a, with a trolley, let's running trolley that still goes down the street, all sorts of stuff. We walk around, we see the, and we, we, we get there a little bit early and we see the courthouse and walk up there. And, um, and I see a historical marker. I always love historical markers. It's like, all right, so let me go see what's, you know, what's happened here. The historical markers are always, are, are one of my, my favorite cultural touch points. And, um, so let me take a step, uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to pause right there and take a step back and ask you a question. How familiar are you with, um, MK ultra history as it relates to it being exposed to the American public? Well, I have a book by John Marks about topic, but outside of that and the multiple times I've heard it talked about on podcasts, not not anything that relates synchronistically to my life, no. But I did buy this so, book but, two but you're familiar. Ago. I would say I would say if you've listened to multiple podcasts and you've read a book, you're probably more familiar than ninety nine percent of the population. You you might not know where I'm going with this, but okay. <laughs> so, do you remember ever coming across something called? the church committee. No. Okay. So, you know, I don't have my computer in front of me, but if my memory's right, I'm going to say, um, the, the church committee was a congressional hearing that took place in like the mid to latter part of the seventies. And it was during this, um, congressional hearing that the MK ultra project came to light in a public specter. Right. So like almost imagine like how like what WikiLeaks was like, you know, there was like this huge release and then all these people were reading all this stuff like, holy shit, this is going on. And like um, that was what kind of happened with with this church committee hearing and, you know, the head of the FBI and all the stories which we heard about the that which almost all historical um, which all historical uh, documentation books about like the history of like what happened in MK ultra and all of the sub projects and all that, it all began the release of that into the public consciousness happened at the church committee. Right. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain one of the Rockefellers was like also on it. He could have been the, uh, the chair cause it would have been called the Rockefeller committee, but nonetheless, you know, and you think about that any way you want, you know, like it's a controlled release. I don't know, but that's where it comes from. So I knew that I knew that, but you know, I'm not like an expert. So going back now to the, to the, um, to the, the courthouse. 
So the church committee did not just happen by accident. It wasn't just like one day that the church committee was, was or like this guy church, he was a congressman or a senator, and he was like, hey, let's go and investigate all this sort of secret sort of stuff that, that, the, that the intelligence agencies know. There was an event. There was an event that happened, and because of that event, the church committee was the natural result of it. And what that event was, was a break-in to an FBI office. And the people who broke in, they were kind of revolutionaries. I don't know the story that well to give the names off the top of my head, but anyone can go check and see this in, in um, you know, just by doing a search. The, the, they re, these people broke into the FBI, went through all the files, and then they found all of like the um, counterintelligence programs that, that, that had been ru running or were currently running throughout the public. And they're like, holy crackers, you know? It's like the government is really spying and doing things to the people which no one knows about. And then that story was released. And then from that story, it, it, it began a larger investigation, and that's how we found out about MKUltra. So if we really go back to, to you know, if we look at the catalyst, the catalyst events, because that's where we have a certain level of energy, whether it's all like, you know, this is all astroturf stories or this is how, like, the, the revelation actually happens, you know, that's for each person to decide. But we know this is the story, how it is presented. And the spot where we were, was literally that energetic like location, you know, that Delco in that area is where the first glimmer of the secret operations on the public, you know, uh, first came into to our collective consciousness. And absolutely, and I think it's even cooler when you know. Uh, I'm looking it up right here. It says that it was the Camden 28, and they were successfully acquitted on all the charges that the government took against them because, uh, you know, this was considered, uh, in essence, you know, freedom of information. Uh, so, yeah, wow. I mean, that's a win for the people. We should have a it was a win. That. There you go. <laughs> all of that sort of stuff when you think about it, and that happens right there. And what was does do you see the date in which um, the date in which uh, um, the break in happened? Let me see. It was March nineteen, March eighth, nineteen seventy one. It was March eighth. Yeah, I believe. I mean, that's the date. That's I thought right it said twenty eight, but regardless, okay. So let's look at that as as maybe a conception of that. Well, it okay? was twenty eight. 28 people, maybe that's where you got it. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's what, what I'm thinking. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just going by memory. But it was March. It was March. Um, 8th. It was March 8th, 1971. Right. All right. So let's go look at that as as a, conce a conception of that, okay? So if, if a child is, is conceived, then typically how long does it take until, uh, until, the, until it is born? Nine months. Nine months. Let's go forward. So we're going to go to April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. So December 8th. All right. 
Like we're just kind of like winging it. Are you following? Uh, so we're on the set. Yeah. December 8th, 1971. So the reason I'm going to bring that up because it's kind of funny, uh, or I, I find it that way is because, you know, I'm a gonzo conspiracy researcher and the gonzo means like, you know, my story is involved in the research for what, you know, regardless, like I intertwine my own experience into it. So, and I said that night, that night at the Masonic, at the Masonic lot or at the, at the Masonic presentation, you know, I'm saying you are witnessing my, my, my initiation by life and, da, 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 and your, your scare tactics are not going to get to me. Like the whole thing was kind of, you know, there was this, this theatric about that. So, okay. And I, I said, I told you like, um, a couple months ago, like it was, it was a big day for me because, because it was my birthday. Do you remember this? We're going back even further. Remember it was my 50th birthday and I talked all about that. Right. So, you know, when my birthday, you know, when I was born was. Are you referring to the time of day? No, my birthday. My like birthday and my birthday day. year. Yeah. You could say no. I don't think you know the answer. 1971? <laughs> December 2nd, 1971. Wow. <laughs> I remember, I said, like, if you recall, I'm like, this is my 50th birthday. Right. And there's an eclipse of my birthday. I don't know what that means, but, you know, wow. Okay. So, so if we want to look at it that way, so that was, that was all occurring. Like whatever the hell that means, maybe it means absolutely nothing, but you're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. So, um, so, okay. So fast forward to, well, let me, let me, before I fast forward to where we are, are there, are there anything which you as an observer of the night, um, for the listeners who haven't heard the other stuff we said, if there's one thing or anything that you wanted to, to share about your observations of the night and the presentation that you want to share. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, there was a lot that I shared on the, uh, podcast we mentioned behind the paywalls. Right. Uh, but, but you know, like just general, the general, generally your general thought, the general air of the group was like, uh, you know, pretty benign uh there was a few folks who seemed a little standoffish or at least hesitant to disclose their identity i sat near the bar so i was able to kind of watch their interactions with the bartender uh and that's really all i observed i mean we weren't invited technically in the meeting so uh tara and i just kind of enjoyed the atmosphere and you know she watched the back door i watched the front door you know <laughs> You guys are the freaking best spy kids. Uh, and, and, but I mean, I, I mean, silly when I say that, but like the, uh, that really, really, really did touch me when you were like, yeah, hop in the car. I'm down for an adventure. So, um, thank you for that. Uh, it's a, it's a testament to, um, how you roll. And so that's, uh, I think it, it shines really nicely on your character. Um, or at least your, 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 your desire to maybe see something gruesome, but nonetheless, all right. All right. So as I indicated, uh, and, and I agree with you, like for the most part, it was, you know, it was, it was kind of like uneventful on a certain level, but, but it was, it was an, a very definite marker in time for me because, you know, that would be the time which I gave a presentation to the, to the Masons. Um, so life flips upside down and I need to go, I need to go and, um, and get a place to stay real quickly. 
and I start thinking, I put out a couple feelers and then immediately, um, a friend of mine, uh, who I, who I only know through Susquehanna Alchemy, like not someone who's a long, a long time friend, but someone who, um, we'd done some one-on-one work together and I knew the type of, of stuff he does. Um, and I explained the situation. He's like, I got a perfect place for you. Come on down. You could come in immediately. And this place is in Baltimore. And I was like, I don't want to go to Baltimore. I'm thinking this in my head. But I'm like, I also know I ain't got nowhere, nowhere else to go. And this is presenting itself effortlessly. And that's the way I should go. So, like, my preferences, my personal preferences have nothing to do with it. But where it also gets a little bit more interesting is, like, you know, I've got a real personal connection to Baltimore because that's where all my family is from. So I come down to this place, and it is uh, this this fascinating dichotomy of extremes. Because on, on one level, like, you know, if you, you haven't been to Baltimore, like, Baltimore is exactly what you would imagine it would be. It's a collapsed city. There's like, you know, it's, 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 uh, um, you know, it's not necessarily the prettiest sort of place and this is not exactly in the prettiest spot. Um, but it is an absolute gem and the house is, is situated on top of a ravine. Uh, there's a 150 foot drop beneath us. And it's like being on top of a 15 story building, looking down uh, into this forested area with this uh, river running across it. Um, And you're like, it's an unbelievable view and the natural connection and all the things that goes with it. Um, And the house has been completely renovated and it's furnished and it's spectacular. It's like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And it's so perfectly situated to take advantage of this world-class view. So there's no ass hookup, like, cause in Baltimore, they, they, they were doing some, some upgrades at some point, I suppose, to like the main gas line. And, and at the time they just took out the connection to the house and no one was in the house and it wasn't taken care of then. But right now there's no gas line uh, coming into the house, which means there's no heat. <laughs> and because there's no heat, um, you can't keep the, the internal temperature of the house at a certain temperature. So you can't turn on the water because during the winter, the water can freeze in the pipes if, if, it, if it drops below freezing inside. So, but it has electricity, but there's no internet. So I'm finding myself in this place, in this unbelievably beautiful place, in this most amazing setting, but surrounded by, like, you can't even leave the house. It's like, I mean, realistically, if I'm like, all right, well, let me go leave, leave the house and go into, like, a, a coffee shop to hang out or something like that. There ain't nothing like that. 15, I got to drive 15, 20 minutes at least. Um, and so th- there's, there's this, this finding myself in this space. And the house is freezing. Like inside the house, it's, it's maybe like 44 degrees um, in the main part of the house, particularly at night. Like it gets down to the low 40s. Um, and so when the sun goes down, when the sun goes down, it gets really cold in the house. And so I, I go away um, into this bedroom and I just kind of, you know, the, there's a space heater in it and it gets warm in here. And so it's nice. But I'm like literally living like by the sun. When, when the sun is out in the day and it shines, 
And this house has amazing, and this decking in the back has amazing access to the sun. It is so warm. And my, the acclimation of my body to temperature is like, I mean, this is how the human body works. It, like after 24 hours, like uh, you start getting used to it. I mean, still cold, but it's like, oh my God, the sun feels so good. And I sit on these, on these decks. And if you've ever been at, you know, a hotel or you had a house which was right on the beach and you can hear the ocean crashing as you fall asleep, like that, that constant drum of the ocean and how um, soothing and hypnotic it is. It's just naturally, that's the way humans relate to our experience. Like I got the same thing. I can hear this water, like it's, it's over, it's called a falls. It's called Gwyn Falls and it's like the steep part and you hear the water crashing and I feel the sun on my face. And when you shut your eyes, I'm like, this literally feels like I'm in the Caribbean, except I'm in the middle of winter in Baltimore. And I'm like, how did this happen? But this is where I found myself, and this is where I am temporarily. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, well, I uh, on the point of the water, I mean, I, I saw the, the video and the picture you sent me. So what, 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 what's interesting is um, I talked about being the, the, the gonzo researcher and the gonzo experimenter, and that truly is the lens in which I view reality, in which I, I view my life. And so I have to look at this experience from that lens, and I look at it um, – you know, particularly in context to everything we were talking about in the first half, like, you know, this big sort of, uh, of, um, this big sort of, uh, initiation of sorts by life. And then like, you know, all of this happens and what I'm becoming more and more, I mean, I guess I've always been conscious of, but now it's like, it's more so this is the rubber meets the road. This is like the training wheels are off um, of seeing how perfectly aligned and integrated, you know, whatever life is, like life is. And it's not like necessarily theory. And we talk about the theories and the concepts, but then to actually go and to, to, to test it and to live life that way, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's what this is for me. That's what, that's what I'm stepping in. And what I'm seeing is how perfectly, um, how perfectly integrated this is. And so I want to go a little bit, um, I began by, by sharing like the obvious and, and how perfect it is. It's like, it's not like you get everything you like. It's not, it's not, perfect but it's absolutely perfect like it doesn't have any heat well so what you know what this is this is an opportunity for you to actually feel what it's like you know what do you need and what you don't need and like all of the gratitude like this beautiful house and this beautiful view and i'm like look what look what's just what's falling in so there's like all of those sort of of, of rec meeting every single thing, like as it is and recognizing it as how perfectly, uh, how perfectly, uh, integrated it is, but where it gets more interesting is how this house 
and particularly the other projects of Scott. Scott's the guy who, who, whose, whose home it is. Um, how much, how perfect it is on every level for where this next part of the journey begins. Because very much, um, Scott's a little bit older than me. Uh, and he has been uh, like a, a builder and a, a, a renovator of places for a while. He's got a lot of experience doing so, and particularly finding, um, being able to see real beauty in something which is completely devalued and then makes the best out of it. The, the, the dude is good at what he does. And he's like, listen, you know, I'm sick and tired of all of this bullshit. I'm sick and tired of all of the, um, of, uh, I, I see what's going on and I'm not, you know, the boogeyman's never going to come. It's happened. And so this is what I'm going to go and build. I'm going to build the world, which I want to see. And like, I need it the best where it is right now, but this is what I'm building. And so this is his kind of like urban oasis, but like his bigger project has to do with, um, uh, something which he's out in West Virginia. He's got, I don't know, like 10 acres out in, in West Virginia, like in the really, really far out in the middle of nowhere. He's already built two cabins and he wants to build more. And this is for people. This is for travelers. And uh, just so happens that the day I arrived at his house, he received a check he's been waiting on. This, this guy, Scott's a pirate. He's a friggin' pirate. He know he just works his way through the system and like he takes and does like he's not a pirate in the bad way. Not like, you know, pirate has two connotations. Uh he's more maybe a cowboy. Like, you know, he's a pioneer. He goes in and he's not waiting for uh uh he, he's not gonna allow the system to slow him down. Uh and he's gonna do it in the most efficient way possible. And um he's out in West Virginia and he's like, I can do whatever I want, and he's building these places. Um and he's building on them for the new world. And so uh, this pirate has been waiting nine months for this check to come in. He's like, you know, when you live like a pirate, you go with like the ebbs and flows of like your life and the projects. Like part of being being like this is a hustler, like always creating what's going to be my next way, what, what what's going to be my next my next project. And this is how I move through life as opposed to like this is the structured reality of, of my, my job and my career path. He's like, you know, he, he lived that life. And his consciousness has really changed over the last couple of years. And now he sees the world as it is. And he applies, though, all of these skill sets. And so he gets this check that he's been waiting for for nine months because he's been kind of in between and just, you know, uh, living really, really, really low in terms of, of expenses. And this check comes in the day I arrive. And then Jesse comes down that day, too. You know, our good friend, Jesse and Jesse brings down another of his friends and Jesse and this other guy, they both work in concrete and these guys see the world a certain way and they want to go and build the world, you know, not part of the system, which, 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 which we're all so clear what that system is, but they're like, yeah, we're going to build the world, which we want to. So Jesse's talking to Scott and Scott's talking. He's like, Hey, now I finally got a little bit of, I got a little bit of dough in my pocket and now I can pick up on my project in, in West Virginia. I just need to get myself a crew. And this crew arrives perfectly at his doorstep. And they're like, we're looking for a project, something interesting, exciting, which is going to get us out. Everything is lining up. Like what I'm giving you right now 
what I'm giving you right now is just another snapshot of what I said with me with this house. Like this is what's happening. There's a there there there's a there's a um, an alignment which I'm experiencing right now, which which I want to go and share. And so if you're listening to, uh, to this story about Scott, you're probably thinking to yourself, if you remember our previous conversation about Zach, like how oh, this, this sounds kind of familiar because you just told me two weeks ago, Mike, about this guy, Zach, who in a completely different sort of way, a uh, completely different sort of path. But the one thing which is very, very similar uh, with Scott is that he is able to, that he wants to go and build what this next life is going to be like. And he's like, I'm going to open up this land, which fell into his lap, which he didn't plan for, which now he's the steward of, and he's going to go and create a way which this is going to be for other travelers. And so I'm finding myself in this wonderful situation, in this wonderful situation where I'm surrounded by all of these people kind of doing the same thing, but very differently in very, very inspirational ways. And there's one thing which I like to do is tell a good story. And also I like to go and make connections between human beings. And so I'm going to find myself beginning to go and, and these are going to be my first two stories. And I'm going to begin to document these. And so this is where, and I'm going to go and show people how people can get in touch and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But this is where at least I'm experiencing my next step. But before that even really begins in earnest, before this begins in earnest, because where this really kind of gets interesting or personal, and I'll be a little bit personal on this, is that this story, I, I, we frame up our stories kind of in mythic lenses, which allows us to appreciate the grander scheme of our thread and how it ties into the, to the tapestry, which we all are weaving together. Um, there's still the personal element. There's, there's still the personal, like, you know, being a human being and, and all of those things and your personal stories and all of those things. And another one of the, the sub themes in this story has to do with, with me and my home and everything that that is, implied by that. And I said a little bit earlier, I do not really want to go to Baltimore when I found out this place is in Baltimore. And part of it was, you know, for whatever reason, or at least I'm aware that this has to be part of my psychology is that there's a part of me, which is like, I don't want to go back to what Baltimore represents. And as it so happens that where this house is, is literally less than one mile from where my mother grew up in the 1940s. Very, very different time in Baltimore. And I was talking to my parents. Uh, they're both um, about 80 years old right now. And they live in Florida. And I was talking to my, my dad. And, and, and my mother is my mother is having memory issues. And so her long-term memory is really, really good. But her short-term memory is, is questionable, not remembering like, oh, what, you know, at the end of the day, what, what do we do today? That sort of stuff. And that's been a lot on my father. It's been a burden on my father. And so considering the circumstance of my life, considering the lack of heat, considering, all the, considering that there is a great need in my personal life, um, and considering that there is a connection which I'm experiencing very personally with, you know, being in the same space now. I'm literally sleeping in the same space 
more or less where my mother did when she was a child, when she grew up, you know, I'm connecting on that sort of level. And then I'm going to go back. I'll probably go down to Florida for a little bit and, um, you know, and, and, and probably go and complete a circuit, complete a circuit within my own, within my own home life, if you will. And what I'm really, really interested about, Mark, is uh, I've got a really, I've got a really sweet relationship with my mother, and I have a really nice uh, way of communicating with her. And um, if all she can remember is the past, I got a lot of questions for her about the time in Edgewood and the time in all these different places. And now is the perfect time for her, if she can recall that, to share those stories with me. So that is where I'm finding myself right now, uh, seeing all of this stuff aligned, seeing all of these, these new opportunities of, of, um, of where my life is unfolding folding in real time of, of really stepping out of the system. Cause I, um, w- one way or the other, I'm not ever going back and you could ask me what that means in a moment, but, but that is where I'm finding myself right now. That is, and I want to share those stories and I want to share these stories of what it looks like because it's going to be different for each person because each person is, is connected in a different way to the system. Um, and, and there's a point in where we're all going to have to go through a little bit of whatever your personal ties are. You're going to have to go and look at that one way or the other. Maybe some people have already taken it. Maybe some people are like, you know, taking a bunch of it, but if I do my job, right, of what's coming is that I will serve as a very interesting demonstration of both what it looks like and inspiration for as we're all going to be moving into a space of, okay, this is the world which we have. There, these boogeyman stories are just going to go on and on and on. Just ignore them. Just like the whole Masonic sort of like, are they going to go and, 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 and ritual sacrifice, Mike, you know, I'm, we're, we're, we're done with the, with the conspiracy ghost stories. We see what it is and the mitosis is happening. And those, the, the, the stories I'm going to share are what it looks like at this time of building of what is to come. And so there we have that. What do you think about that, Mark? <laughs> I love it. I'm uh, I'm curious, given what we talked about in the Patreon about the uh, pyramids in Pennsylvania, you know, um, if if that invitation is worth mentioning, if you don't want to talk about that, people can go. I'm sure you talked about it in the subscribe star, but we did talk about it in the Patreon episode. Um, um. But I, I, I get what you mean by, you know, no more ghost stories. I think the... You know, the most brilliant thing about everything, at least that we've talked about over the course of this, you know, show, your handbook for the apocalypse, is how it's inspired people to do what you did uh, for the Susquehanna River in their own backyard, you know? So for those who may be nervous, like, oh, no, Mike, you know, he, he displaced himself, Baltimore is 
on the Chesapeake Bay, folks, which is the Susquehanna oh my God. River. So- and, and I wanted to note that, and I'll let you go after this, I wanted to note that when I was looking on the map, I've never seen a place like Maryland where there's just so much water. There are streams everywhere you look. And I live in Connecticut. There's a lot of water here too, but... I, you know, there are a lot of uh, riverways and streams, and it's just full of, of water down there. So I'm excited to see what kind of potential uh, energy you're going to be tapping into down there. So, okay, that, that was a, a beautiful segue. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Um, uh, when I say conspiracy ghost stories, I mean, like, the things that make you you when when you follow the things that aren't the things that aren't empowering what i'm what i'm not what i'm not implying is that the mystery and that's the other thing which we talk about uh the mystery that's that's all i'm interested right now and so the mystery is is the unfolding and i mean that in all of the different ways which we've explored it uh and looked at it and that you know that's always the foundation so this is what i'm really excited about now if this happens we'll go and see we don't know we're in a state of flux right now um but ross and i did an episode of from the 40th parallel parallel called Baltimore, b-a-a-l hyphen more and it was talking about baltimore and we both kind of like took a stab at it but Neither one of us, at least in my opinion, have that same level of intimacy which we bring to our respective regions. So when I would talk about the Susquehanna, like, you know, I I really knew that. And and when he talks about the Wissahickon in Philadelphia, you know, he really knows that. He he's walked on that ground, he's breathed that air and so forth. But Baltimore was not necessarily the place. Um, but we both recognize that there's something in Baltimore, um, and we can see that in its history. So all that being said, uh, like I, I say this with no exaggeration, like this spot where this house is, like, um, the Baltimore as a city, uh, whether, however you want to go look at it, not necessarily the people, but as a city, as like, a, a an organized entity, which a municipality, it's collapsed, you know, through corruption and through like all sorts of different things. It is what it is. Baltimore has hit bedrock um, in a certain level. And bedrock is the, you know, as low as you can go and it's the deepest foundation. Um, This house quite literally sits on bedrock and it overlooks, it overlooks this, this, it's a city park. It is a forested wooded city park, meaning it's within the city limits. It's very, very large. And it has not been manicured. I get, you would call the Wissahickon where we walk through, that would be like a wooded park versus like a central park. Um, and this predates this, this park predates many of the, the, the fires that occurred, um, that occurred, uh, you know, the 1800s, like this, this, this is a back when Baltimore as a city, Baltimore as a city was once something really, really, really special. The point I'm getting at is this 
this wooded forest goes back to it. And it, uh, it was, it, the, this park was created. It go, it's the same land, the same trees. They haven't been touched or said another way. This is literally old growth forest. You know, this is still Baltimore. This is a park where they hide the bodies. Like it's like, uh, but at the same time, it's also the re- the reason why is because it is it is in this collapsed city. This is literally an epicenter to primary source energy in this area. Well, and whatever that means. So so. <laughs> So, so when you go and you think about that uh, and understanding that from an energetic level, and then uh, probably at some point there may be, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I mean, who knows? But um, I would love to have Roz out here, and I would love to go deeper into the Baltimore mystery, and I would love to understand with greater, uh, with the same level of intimacy which I held within the Susquehanna. I would love to touch this here. I mean, that would be fantastic. That would be a really, really, really interesting sort of um, uh, uh, motif to jump into. Right. Right. And uh, the Susquehannock were some of the first inhabitants of that area. And then, yeah, Maryland, as you're talking about these old growth forests, I imagine the people who saw Maryland, the first colonists, you know, they named it that because it is such a fertile place. Like I said, so much water there. I've never um, been there like on a hike. I drove through twice, but, uh, you know, <laughs> to and fro. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it definitely has that, uh, what's it, what's that TV show that was filmed there, the um, crime sort of show? The wire, the wire, it's got that feel to it. And I remember just like, you know, having a sense of, uh, my ears tingling, so to speak, while I was driving around and just kind of looking around and I stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts, I think, which is a very <laughs> East coast thing to do. Well, I mean, what Maryland is, uh, the mid Atlantic is, is a, is a sweet spot. And, and Baltimore as a city is, you know, it's, it's, uh, on a certain level, it's, 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 it's down on its luck, obviously, or it's, it's at a low, but there, Baltimore is like, a um, it's a, it's a scrappy city. It's a hustler city. And what I, I mean that in its best connotation, meaning like, you know, uh, figuring out how to get by. You know, Baltimore has that, or at least more recently, um, it once was as, as, a, as a place to, like, if you could imagine, um, imagine North America pre-colonized or settled, okay? And then if you knew, like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to build cities, uh, places of high density civilization where it's going to be. Um, you know, there are various places that, that make sense. And typically uh, a lot has to do with transportation, typically water transportation, you know, or the river or port or something like that. But then you deal with all sorts of other um, things you want to think about, like, you know, is it easy to build here and like climate and all sorts of stuff like that. And we know about Washington DC. It's, you know, famously built upon a swamp. 
And you'd imagine like, that's not like the best, but you can build a city there, but like, that's the energy there. And we've got other cities in the East coast. We think of like, you know, obviously New York, Philadelphia, Boston, those are probably the other uh, big ones. And those are all much closer to the Atlantic seaboard. Um, And the closer you are, it tends to affect the climate and so forth. But Baltimore is situated in a really, really like in the most, um, uh, basic level. And the reason why, why I'm saying that is like thinking about these as, 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 as primordial energies and Baltimore's location is, uh, is premier. We know that, that this section of North America has a very, very rich, um, and, and, uh, mysterious, you know, I think we only know pieces of it, but, but, this area is really, really significant. And the location of Baltimore is very, very significant because its climate, particularly in recent history, um, its climate is this really temperate compared to a lot of the Northeast cities. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like being further south and, and being a little bit further inland. And it has the most amazing natural port. Uh, the the harbor of Baltimore is one of the deepest natural ports anywhere, and it's 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 well protected and easy to get to for whatever that means. Like it's it's perfect. It's got this like this energy, and it's got these hills, and it was this ideal um, place if you were going to be a civilization builder. You know, from whatever time, ever you want to think about civilizations, like this has some very very natural qualities. We could even go deeper than that and just say like this is very conducive to where humans and 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 the natural world intersect, and then it's amazingly convenient, like in the modern world just thinking about how Baltimore is relative to all of these Eastern seaboard cities. It's, it's, you know, it's the most convenient an hour from Philly, an hour from DC, two hours from, from, from New York. And so, so when you begin to the point I'm trying to, to, to make is um, when you begin to scratch beneath the surface of, of the decay in which we think of Baltimore currently and we look at it at a, maybe a more foundational level, um, the water, the quality of the water, the land, the climate, uh, where it is related to all of these other power spots along um, uh, this northeast section of, of, of you know, the United States. It's, it's got something special. And to have um, an appreciation of that while literally sitting on what I termed primal source, uh, a primal source energy location with the curiosity of wanting to better understand some of the mystery. Baltimore is a mystery city because it's tied to Edgar Allan Poe. That's where he lived. Um, You know, I'm, uh, I think that's going to be really, really exciting. You know, I don't know what's going to come of that because I don't know how things are unfolding, but I see that potentiality is being very, very exciting. And maybe that's, maybe that's not even me. Maybe that's crowdsourced. Like, you know, like people who hear this, like, Hey, I live in Baltimore. Well, you got me thinking, let me go and check. I, I see how you do your stuff because anyone can do this. So agreed. And there is so much, I'm just kind of poking through the internet right now. And, uh, the movie 12 monkeys was filmed in Baltimore which is and takes place in Baltimore. Yeah, which is interesting considering the story we talked about 
uh, I think the week of the the meeting, it was like the sort of impetus for, you know. What has happened to that story? So the story is that there was um, there was a a truck crash in Danville, Pennsylvania, right on the Susquehanna River, and a hundred monkeys got loose, like lab monkeys. And it's the most ridiculous story in the world. And you're like, do you even believe this happens? But like, that's the story that they're putting out. And then I remember like a couple days later, there were some follow-up stories about a woman got, got bit by a monkey and she started having strange symptoms and the CDC was giving her advice. Has that gone anywhere? So yeah, I guess or did that four, disappear? four monkeys escaped and uh, I guess maybe one of them bit this woman or I think she was trying to help. Like she saw the crash happen and she was trying to help the driver maybe and got bit. That's what the story is. And she got out and says, oh, cute little monkey. And then like, kiss, kiss her. <laughs> like straight out of the movie. Like this is a movie scene. Or at least it sounds like that to me. Right, right. So, but did that, did, did anything ever become of that? Or did that story just disappear down the memory hole? Seems like it's down the memory hole now. That's I, what I'm thinking yeah. as well. Yeah, if anybody so has can I tell you, anything to say otherwise, write, write to us. But go ahead, Mike. So so this is just kind of – can we get a little weird right now? Please. Have we not gotten weird enough? <laughs> By the way, All the right. woman's name is Michelle Fallon. That's who stopped to help uh, Sinomalgus macaques who crashed. That's oh, nuts. All right. All right. Um so when I read a story like that, when I see a story like that, I see I think about this like so much of the stories that are given to us through media and we don't have any actual experiential proof that they're real. I mean, we just, we're assuming like, no, they're not just making shit up. Like this really is happening. Maybe it's, tw it's twisted, but like, at least that's how, how, how I, how we're normally thought to be. Um, but as, as things have gotten weirder and weirder over the past couple of years, like, and, and just understanding the nature of what the internet is turning into, um, like, you know, always the ideas in the back of my mind, I'm like, this isn't even a real story. This is, this is a story which is, is, is particularly made for, um, uh, for me. And I don't mean that like, in a delusional, like sort of way, like it's all about me. I think this is true for everyone. I think like, you know, a lot of these stories, like, and they meet you on where you are and they're all kind of like subliminal, like that, that whole story from its location, everything as it, uh, also is related to that, that email from the, from the Masons, like, uh, these aren't, these are very, very, um, are very, very specific coincidences that are meaningful to me, these synchronicities. And, and, and I question them. I'm like, you know, yeah, I question the, 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 the validity, you know, I don't have any, uh, and what it may mean. And I don't have a, a conclusion on like, Oh, I think this is AI or I think this is this or that. I'm just like, Oh, okay. That's kind of weird. And what I thought, what I was and where I'm going with this, I'm going somewhere with this story. I promise you. Um, 
I had asked you because that story of the hundred monkeys and where that crash happened, that was immensely meaningful to me. And I was applying lots of energy into it. I was talking about it, you know, and, and, and it was picked up in a couple different places. It did get some pretty big, uh, um, it did get some pretty big uh, coverage because it, uh, seemingly it was picked up by, I think maybe the Drudge Report or Daily Mail. But, but when we stop talking about it, it just dissipates. So, okay. So this is where I'm going with this story. The funniest thing happened. Um, one of one of Scott's one of Scott's uh, friends and a guy who he's done a lot of projects with in the past. Sebastian comes down and um, just hangs out for a little bit. Just a couple of days ago, Sebastian's 37 years old. Um, uh, real interesting story about him, but I'm not going to get into it. He comes down and he was able to move out of a project and he's in a good position financially and time wise. And he's like, I'm going to start building these saunas. And that's where he wants to go and do. And he's really, really effective at like, he says, this is what I'm going to go and do. He's effective in the fact that he's able to go and do it. He can work within the system. You know, he knows how to do it. And so this is something which is going to happen for him. And he was interested uh, in talking to me about my experience with YouTube, because it's like, if I'm going to do this and what I, how I want to do with it, I'm going to have to have like some degree of social media exposure because I want people to know about them and what's YouTube like. And so we start talking about YouTube and, um, he was at, he was asking, he was asking my experience as someone who puts out content on YouTube and we're talking about that. And then I told him, you know, what I really think about YouTube, um, and somehow I go down this, this side and I used as an example, Justin Bieber. I'm like, you know, YouTube appears to be grassroots, but it's anything but that. And I'm like the, they began it by introducing this idea of this. If you know what Justin Bieber's history is, it's uh, he was really the first like influencer or fame person who got famous on YouTube. And he was like supposedly 11 year old kid playing music somewhere in Canada. And then all of a sudden he's got a hundred million people who see his videos and then everyone knows about him. Like, no, they, they just put it in everyone's feed and said a hundred million videos. Everyone thinks they need to watch it. And I just use that as an example to this guy, Sebastian. So, okay, where am I going with all of this? How does this tie into the hundred monkeys? What are you talking about, Mike? What is all this about? Um, the day after, the day after I told him this, uh, uh, Sebastian was down on 2222, so on in bulk. That's what 22 is. It's the midpoint between the, the solstice and the equinox. Um, and it's Groundhog's Day in bulk. That's a big thing with Susquehanna. Uh, when he, I told him that story when he left, you know, I, I don't have anything to do. Um, I do have phone service here and, um, I was looking at my internet or at the, at Instagram. Like I don't spend that much time on Instagram and I see that there's something in my feed and it's from Lancaster online. It's the local newspaper in Lancaster and it's a picture and it's a picture of Justin Bieber in Lancaster in this tiny little town because he's what for whatever reason Justin Bieber showed up in Lancaster and decided to go to a diner there. <laughs> and I'm like, this is as ridiculous as the friggin' hundred monkeys. And I'm like, how does this happen? Is he trying to catch Groundhog's Day? 
Like that's so I'm going to send you a snapshot. I'm going to send you a screenshot of, of the story so you can see that uh, I just sent it on your text. But but this is going on to and, and, and um, this this is about looking at where we are with reality and what is experientially real and what is this other kind of like metaverse real um, and where are they overlapping and and um and it's, it's, this is the time we're in because part of me is like, none of this is like, are these stories which we're just getting from the internet? Is this really happening? Are they just feeding our news feed? Um, but then what are we actually seeing experientially? And that is as, as if, if you step into it, we're seeing more and more, at least that's what I'm hoping to showcase in sharing what's been going on in my life is like this is getting richer and richer and realer and realer, and this is what it literally looks like when these new worlds are are unfolding before us. I agree. I think it's, uh, you know, it's one thing to be on the outside looking in, but when you're equipped with the right tools, you're able to sort of insert yourself. And I think that's the best way to describe it, a gonzo conspiracy researcher. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what you turn, uh, what stones you turn over there in Baltimore. Or, or how that goes. It's like, you know, part of this is, um, particularly right now is, is, is in 100% fluid time. And that's a big part of moving off of the system. Is this we are we are entering a point of fluidity? Are we not? Like because what I mean by that is things are changing so quickly. Right. Well, and, and to get into maybe the you know astrology of it all, like the Aquarian age is very fluid. It's about you know feeding the. Uh, the people, the the food of the gods, right? The the bread and the wine of the gods. That's kind of like the Aquarius. He's like pouring the 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 mana down into the people. Uh, this is this is you know when when you think about like moving from one age to another, however you want to frame it up. Um, there's got to be like there's a transition point or their transitions points and we're seeing them happening. And, and part of it, like this goes back to the invisible ships and what I'm going to, what I, what I am hoping to demonstrate and what we're demonstrating here and are discovering is just like the invisible ships. When, when there is a recognition that there is, okay, something is, is something's going on. I see these changes in the wave patterns, but I'm not quite certain what it is yet. And the the, the takeaway from that story is this ability to recognize like, okay, something, something is afoot and, and allowing it to come into focus. And the thing that's afoot is, is reality's changing in this very, very quickly. And, it really is being driven. You know, that's why I tell about the integration of how like the finding this house and finding this location and all of the people coming together, 
um, it is integrated at a very, very high level. And that requires to step into that. That requires a great degree of faith and trust. And each person has a limit or a, a boundary. Like we all know that, but like, how far do you go? How far do you go with it? Because if this is really happening, and I'm suggesting it is, you know, that's the apocalypse. This is your handbook for surviving it. It's like, okay, these are what the steps are. That's what that initiation was all about, about me talking about the Masons. Like all of that was just like, that was like a recognition of, of the, the, the fear of what it could be, the boogeyman. You still step through, and when you step through, you see like, oh my goodness, this is this is completely supported, and it's always been supported, and it's not just supported for me; it's supporting for all of us together. Right. Yeah. Wow, it's kind of hitting me here, Mike. I don't know; I'm at a loss for words, but yeah, it's definitely. You know, people hear that term apocalypse, and they. To bring it back, they hear they they think ghost stories, and really, what it is is a great revealing. You know, I can't say that enough. I think that's a big part of what you've inspired people to do is to look into their own areas and reveal the things that are waiting for them to to find, and and also in doing so, connecting back to baseline reality, which is sort of the only constant that we can understand and it's not constant, but you get what I mean. Well, it's the most, it's the most real we have. And I would suggest that is where, why do you do that? You do it so you can reboot or refresh consciousness. Each time you do that, like you're going there, you're rebooting or refreshing consciousness. Why are you doing that? Because it was an old consciousness, which we've all were born into, which created these connections we had to the previous system. And if you do not move out of that, I guarantee that like within consciousness first, um, you will be pulled into a direction. Now, I don't know what that looks like. Like, you know, does that, you know, does that turn into the matrix? I don't know, but I can see like what they're telling you. And I'm like, you, we've been conditioned for all these things on why we need not just like, you know, I'm not just talking technology, but I'm just saying about the system and this is how you live and this is how it's done. And the stories I was telling you about the cowboy and the pirate guy, you know, and how he, how he goes through life are examples of like, this is a mid-level point. Like this is how we shift off and we're going to have to move off that system because it is that system which keeps people linked as it goes from age to age. And this is the time, if you're not going to go into that system in its next iteration, this is how you move off of it. You go uh, and you, it begins with consciousness. And that is the power of baseline reality is it reboots consciousness to something outside of the system you've been in so you can go and recalibrate into whatever it's going to be or whatever new system, whatever new world you are going to be aligned with. I mean, this is what we do. This is what, when I say we, me and you, Mark, like these explorations, those are like new ways of looking at the reality around us and discovering like, you know, there's all this other stuff around. And that takes courage. 
and it takes inspiration and it takes, and it takes like, uh, 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 all sorts of different things. If you want to go and use the age of Aquarius, it's the group. This is not, it's not about the single person. It's about the individual and how they relate to the others, the group. It's both of them. So I think that this is, this is, um, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's the next step or the next kind of flavor or chapter in this, in the, this, this storybook that you and I are creating through this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, your idea of sort, you sort of gave a little bit of it away uh, here, but you know, you talked about documenting these folks who are helping create this new reality, this new paradigm in the real world, taking a tangible, practical approach, literally building things. And I'm excited to see, you know, how that manifests, who else comes into the fray. And, you know, that's kind of exactly what happened with me when I started Alt Media United. It was like, you know, I wanted to create a place where people can, you know, maybe like myself who you know, was very hesitant to go and spend money on hosting a website or spend money on uh, different features to make the podcast grow. Now I look back and I'm grateful I took those risks, but I thought, well, this is something we can crowdsource a website that's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to get banned off of it. Uh, and you can be promoted there, you know, because people just overnight get kicked off of YouTube or, you know, promoted overnight, like you were saying before with certain cases. But, yeah, I think it's excellent to be taking that approach. I mean, people are doing all kinds of creative things. I even talked to you off the air about uh, someone using Orgone to bust these, you know, negative frequencies, these sort of energies that are being put out from the, or we'll call it electronic smog that, in some cases may even be affecting the weather. You know, people are, are using these tools to combat the system and create these oases or these places outside of the system where, yeah, the, the actual baseline reality can still be met, you know, <laughs> with, uh, with, within, you know, community of your choice, whoever you're, you're drawn to. So, I'm excited and this, to go and visit. This, and this is what we're witnessing. And this is what we're witnessing. And the more we realize this is what we're witnessing, and when I say we, I mean like, you know, collectively, not just everyone who's listening to this podcast. I'm like, there are people all over the world who are kind of doing whatever it is they're doing right now. And there is beginning to be this invisible ship's quality of recognizing what we're witnessing. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we realize like what do you mean by invisible ships because i just watched uh the second episode of scooby-doo yesterday and it has to do with <laughs> invisible ships so invisible ships is the general term of the story which tell which and the theory around and and thank you for 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 asking me to clear this up i had made the assumption that you know you and everyone would know what i'm talking about um 
and I thought I've talked about it with you before, but the, this idea that, and, and the story has been attributed to a couple people, Columbus, Captain Cook, uh, a whole bunch of these explorers, these uh, in the age of discovery, that when they would arrive at a lot of these islands, and so in Captain Cook, it's throughout the South Pacific and Columbus. Right, when he okay, was I get what you're Caribbean. saying now, yep. <clears throat> and the people weren't able to see the ships. And they re- and the people on the ships recognized, like, hey, I can see you. And I can see there's a whole bunch of people who are on the beach doing whatever you're doing on the beach. And no one seems to be paying us any mind. And I would think that you would be a little bit like, hey, what the heck are these ships doing? What are these things doing out there? And so the invisible ship story or theory has to do with this idea that um, the people on the beach were unable to see those ships because they were outside of their consciousness. Right. It was like just such a different thing, but they were able to eventually, they were able to eventually see it. Right. They were able to see it because they recognized some of the, the wise people recognize changes within the water pattern or the wave pattern, which they were familiar with. And then they're like, Hey, that's unusual. What would cause that? And then there was a, there's a, um, a deductive reasoning. And then eventually they're able to go see the ships. When I use that term invisible ships, I'm talking about this, this idea that something which is, happening outside of a certain level of consciousness comes into awareness and it begins by like these small sort of clues like, okay, this is, this is kind of off. Maybe I should look here and here what we're witnessing right now. And it's going to continue to happen is this, this change in how, reality in life works or at least how we relate to it we've been the last few years have been a certain way you know uh people have been the last 21 years since september 11 2001 it's been a different way and we're moving to something and it seems to be like in two different directions i'm only interested in one of those directions and invisible ships is the the description of becoming clear of this is what that looks like. Oh, we've been doing it all along and it's more and we're getting more and more resolution. Right. All right. <laughs> right. So this was a, this was an interesting episode tonight. We've been uh, we've gone in a lot of different directions, but I kind of like that. Um and I think like we're at a we're probably at a place right now, which might be good to to maybe start wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I didn't really respond fully, but I got distracted um, looking up the invisible ships thing. And the only thing that came up initially was Philadelphia experiment. Go figure. But I did find something talking about how Captain uh, Cook noted this exact this exact phenomena where they seem invisible to like in this case fishermen that were on the shore uh they didn't even see them at all so yeah there's definitely more to that that maybe we can get into but also i want to clear up the miss uh the misinformation i gave i guess we'll call it that 
it wasn't the Camden 28. It was a different group that actually remained anonymous all the way until 2014. Uh, they were never f found out. I guess the article I was reading before was saying they thought maybe the Camden, Camden 28 were involved, but uh, that, you know, um, event in Media, Pennsylvania on March 8th, 1971. Uh, it was conducted by a group of uh, anonymous citizens, and uh, yeah, we, we have them to thank for the church committee. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, when you go and look at the invisible ships, if you're going to continue to look at that, um, uh, search invisible ships theory, and I think you're going to find it in articles. Um, and then there's, um, you that's, could also yeah, search. That's what I did. I did, I searched theory and I found, I found one from the North coast journal of politics, people and art about, it's, uh, I don't know cross how. Cross reference it, cross reference, cross reference it with, uh, your search invisible ships. And I want to say it's maybe J K Knight K N I G H T. Okay. I'm curious if you get any hits on that. It may be J something else night. I was able to find a more relevant article when I searched the term colonist alongside of invisible ship theory. Uh, let's see. I'm not seeing anything by J Knight. Let me try JK Knight. I see a podcast called Invisible Ships Podcast. Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> uh no. no uh what was that thing um we're, we're getting off topic that's here, all so, right uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, clear this up later well do we there we go let's see if that does it there was um myth of uh myth of the invisible ships that's a big one uh in reddit i'm seeing is a true in which uh, i'm looking through this whole sort of thing yeah there's um there was a movie called, what was it called? What, what the bleep, what the bleep do I know? It was kind of like a new agey film that came out in the early 2000s. And I want to say that's where it was first introduced. And the theory has been used, like how I'm using it is, is, is as an idea. I don't know if it is an actual truth and how it was first introduced as a metaphor was from this kind of like new agey sort of video, but that video had a lot of legs and it got a lot of literalists very, very upset because they're like, ah, oh, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. And like people are talking about it literally, but this idea of what this invisible ships story is as a myth, I think is there's a lot, to it a lot deeper like in a or you can you can glean more out of it. it not in the same way but similar how you can glean more out of the plato's cave allegory than just the first level explanation of what that means right right the the dimensions of uh of two worlds meeting and you know things changing yeah there's a lot there for sure well, all right, Mike, I said what I came here to say. You said a lot. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to listen. I, I think you're you're helping me sharpen my skills as an interviewer. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
And yeah, until next time, maybe we'll get back on our regular, uh, yeah, our regular definitely. schedule. I don't know if uh, that same time is still good for you, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We always do. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. Shout out to the Rhythmic Dragon for sending us some really cool art that I'm going to show Mike, and maybe we will use it uh, for something. I don't know. Uh, but if you want some merch, go check out Mike's merch store. I think that's still available, right, Mike? That's still available. That's right one on. of the best places to go. And I got some merch, too, now. So if you're interested in that, check out our Teespring. We got some My Family Thinks some Crazy designs there now uh, as well. But thank you for listening, folks, and have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Peace.